We are uh, join. We are here today to once again bring you an election update as the election drags on. It has now been what nineteen days uh, since the election, and we don't have much of an update beyond what we had last week. We've got some other good uh, good topics to get into, and another fun comic book review, and actually uh, a review of a DCU animated movie as well to kind kind of go alongside that comic book. But first and foremost, let's touch base on the up on the election. As of today, November 22nd, again, 19 days since the election, um, we have seen virtually no real update. I mean, as things continue to draw drag on, uh, even I probably being one of the most optimistic um, people uh, even off the air that this was going to get overturned in the courts, that Donald Trump would be president is becoming less optimistic. I would say as, as more, as more and more things come out and yet no evidence actually follows the pronouncement that the evidence is coming. Um, even I'm starting to get a, a little fed up and be a little bit, uh, a little bit skeptical um, I don't, I am not skeptical remotely that there was election fraud. I'm not skeptical remotely about any of those claims. I'm skeptical that it's going to be proven at this point um, because there doesn't really seem to be anything presenting that, you know, Sidney Powell has come out with a lot of big pronouncements. Donald Trump has come out with big pronouncements. Nothing's followed. Uh, there, there are some things to be positive about if you're a conservative and, and hoping to see uh, some change here. Um, Wayne County uh, that, you know, Looked like it was going to get certified. Now it looks like it might not. It's kind of up in the air. Um, Georgia looks like it might actually be going to a hand audit, which would be good. Pennsylvania, uh, the uh, circuit, uh, the Pennsylvania um, Supreme Court overturned the the Trump uh, the Trump administration's case. However, if you saw what the Supreme Court recently did, even when that goes up to the circuit courts, all of the circuit courts, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Michigan. Georgia, all of the ones that happen to be really in play are now under uh, conservative justices um, with the Supreme Court coverage of which cases they hear from the circuits. So there are some things to be positive about. This definitely isn't done. I would not go so far as to say it's over. Um, I think there's a very good likelihood this still ends up in the Supreme Court and that Donald Trump is still president in January. But even I and in my infinite optimism about this election <laughs> is getting a little bit frustrated. Mike? Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree with everything you say. Um, the the issue I have with Trump is that he's he's doing a lot of talking, but not backing anything up. So you mentioned Sydney. Um, so she says she's going to drop a a bombshell this week. <laughs> we'll see if that uh, happens or not. But even um, conservatives like Tucker Carson are, are like, show the evidence or shut up because you're making things worse. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm hoping that we get down to the um, get get to the bottom of this, but I don't know. We'll see. It seems like they're it's it's funny to me because in 2016, in 2017, all the Democrats were yelling, "This is election fraud. We need to investigate this, investigate it." Um, but now they're going, "Nope, no election fraud whatsoever. This is a perfect election. Uh, let's move on. Let's get down to business." Give Biden all the all the control. Chop, chop, chop. Yeah, I mean they've gone even they've even gone further than that to say election fraud is impossible in this country. There's never election fraud when, like you said, two years, four years ago, both elect both the midterms and the presidential elections in 2016, they screamed up and down that there was election fraud. Funny enough, 
John Oliver ran a segment on his own show a year ago talking about how electronic voting machines were bad and and susceptible to fraud and even said Donald Trump was right at the time. Um, you can go back and find a lot of tweets talking about how in 2018 people were worried that we were going to steal the midterms because electronic voting machines, which are used in 13 states across the union without a backup system, are prone for voter fraud. No good recount system exists. And now suddenly every single one of those people is the same person is on the on the opposite side saying there can be no election fraud in this country. There is no problem. Donald Trump needs to shut up. So, again, I have no issue with the claims of fraud. I have no I have no doubt in my mind personally that there has been fraud in this election. I'm beginning to doubt that there's evidence that is going to be big enough to turn, turn the election because at no. some point you've got to bring that to bring it to bear. You can't just keep talking about it and never actually do it. Right, right. I guess for the, for the record, I think there's fraud in, in every election. It's just how big is the fraud and does it um, sway the outcome or not? That's just my that's just my personal belief. Um, I, I definitely think there's been fraud in yeah. every election in my lifetime. And I think going far back beyond that, uh, I, I think there's very clearly election fraud in the U.S. And and I think we have a we have probably one of the worst election systems in the civilized world. What's hilarious is the Dominion voting system that everybody keeps hearing about wasn't good enough for Canada. Canada doesn't do it. Um, but we, and, and it was made by a Canadian company for the, well, that's why I'm referencing Canada for anybody who didn't know. So made by a Canadian company, not considered secure enough for the Canadian government. So they don't use it. Um, France outlawed mail-in voting years ago because it's prone to fraud. Um, there, you know, if you look at election laws around the world, we let a lot of things go that have been proven to be ripe for fraud. And for some reason, we we are now trying to pretend that that couldn't have... Do I believe that Russia hacked the election last time? No, I don't, by any means. Uh, but do yeah, I believe there was believe, probably election fraud in 2016? Yeah, yeah I think right. probably going each direction. Yeah, and I believe that Russia spent money on Facebook ads to try to dissuade people. I mean, I think that's that's been proven. I'm sure China has been doing it. I'm sure a lot of countries do that to, to sway the the minds of people. But well, the, I think they down do that, to... down there actually hacking. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't see any evidence for that. Well, not to mention, I think they do it to more than anything, less to help pick our president or guide things in that direction, more to sow unrest against their enemies. Look, mm -hmm. what is the easiest thing to do in this nation is to sow unrest between two opposing parties because they know if you can tear us apart from within then they don't have anything to, to worry about, whether it's Russia or China. So I fully believe they did that. However, I think it's more interesting, and, and I don't want to get you know get deep into 2016, but the same people who, again, have for the last four years told you that the election was stolen and are now telling you an election couldn't be stolen, um, they are also the ones who benefited most from, from anything that Russia did and that China did based on our own evidence and investigations in this country over the last four years, the investigations they pushed ultimately came out and showed that a lot of the things, the, the steel dossier, um, a lot of the Russian meetings, all those things were actually to the benefit of Hillary Clinton at the time, not of Donald Trump. So yeah, again, do Clinton I believe actually they were paid involved? for yes. that dossier? Oh yeah. That's, that's the funny part. She actually paid for it, but no one seems, seems to bring that up. And the FBI knew when it was given to him, that um, there's, there's reasons to doubt it, but they continued on with it anyway. Exactly. So like I said, I definitely think there's election fraud. I, I don't think Trump's wrong about that at all. And I don't have a problem with him. I don't have a problem with him out there pushing this agenda either. What I have a problem with is at the, at, at some point, and this isn't 
My problem is not from the, oh, he's damaging democracy and all that garbage, which frankly I think is ludicrous to say the least, because all of the journalists that say that are the same ones who've been undermining a, a, an elected president for four years. All of the, the people on the left who are saying that have been ac actively pushed the Mueller investigation, which was a massive waste of taxpayer dollars, actively pushed a false impeachment hoax. Uh, well, I mean, it was a real impeachment, but it was a false narrative around the impeachment. Um, so I don't think it's damaging democracy to call it into question. What I have a problem with is, again, I just have a problem with either bring me the evidence so that we can find, so this can get over and I can see that we're going to win or shut up and go away. Because either you lost and it is what it is and I have to accept the fact that Joe Biden is president or you won and you know that you're going to win in the courts and you need to just make it happen instead of taking what seems to be an, an endless amount of time to make very little progress. Yeah. Yeah. If Biden wins, I'm just going to borrow some of my leftist friends, not my president shirts and wear that around for the next four <laughs> years. <laughs> it's that's the it's, it's the whole thing is just yeah the the election is getting really tiresome at this point 19 yeah. days in i mean for reference though for anyone who's young and and listening to this podcast and doesn't have a good reference of this um we were young at the time mike i was 13 you were probably 12 mm -hmm. um but the 2000 election was not decided for 37 days so we are 19 days in it feels like a long time to me because since 2000, I haven't seen an election like that, and it doesn't typically happen in the U.S., but it is actually not – that's why I'm saying I'm I'm not willing to throw in the towel the way some people have because the election did take over a month to get decided when Bush, uh, when Bush ultimately stole victory away from Gore. And, and stole is probably not the right word because it was, <laughs> it was legal and right, but he snatched victory from the jaws of defeat. Bush – one Bush was declared the loser. Al Gore was president elect, just as Joe Biden is in the media's eyes. And Bush was ultimately inaugurated as we all know. And that took 37 days. So I still hold out hope that, uh, the week of Thanksgiving, Sidney Powell is going to drop this bomb. She said she's going to drop and that, you know, by Christmas time, I know that Donald Trump's going to be back in the white house. I still maintain hope for this country for that reason. But the longer we go without seeing evidence, the more, um, skeptical and cynical I become. Right. Right. And just for the record, um, I think if Trump had won by the same margins that Biden did, I think the Democrats would be in the course right now too. Like this isn't a Democrat Republican thing. This is a, this is too close for me to concede thing. I think it's a combination of that. And frankly, I think it's a, a, a statement of the division within this country right now. I think it, I think no. I think Donald Trump, unless he won in Ronald Reagan style landslide, they were going to contest his election. Yeah. And I think as long as Joe Biden didn't do the same, that Trump was going to contest the election. So I think it's partially that it is it is a very close race where one or two things tips the scale. If if Pennsylvania comes off the board because those those ballots get thrown out, and Georgia is, is still in play, and Michigan is still in play, suddenly the whole election is up in the air. If Pennsylvania comes off the board, it changes a lot. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I think that's a big part of it. But I also think the country is just at the most divided it's ever been in the history of this union up, you know, uh, at least since the point of the civil war. And to be perfectly honest, in some ways, probably more so. 
Um, mm-hmm. And I know that a lot of people will think, well, that's a ludicrous thing to say. But if you think about where the country was during the Civil War and you think about where it is today, there was division on a few specific things between the North and the South, largely industrialization and the South getting poorer while the rich, while the North was getting richer. Um, but there was still an underlying principle that drove this country on both sides of, of the divide. And there was still enough that when the Civil War was done, the country came back together relatively quickly. And yes, I know not everything was perfect. Um, I know there were a lot of problems with the South dealing with emancipation and, and a lot of those things, but the country came back together in my mind a lot more quickly than it will. If Donald Trump snatches this victory away, um, I think we're going to be more divided than we were then. The only difference is I don't think that Americans today are willing to go to war the way they were then. And, and to some, in some degree, I think that's to the detriment of the country, but that's maybe, uh, maybe a bridge too far for today's show. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's interesting. Um, I, I, I see what you're saying. So I think with the civil war, I think they both view themselves as Americans and trying to live up to the principles of America with one, obviously being in the wrong about, about that. But now it seems like one side is trying to be Americans and one side is trying to fundamentally dismantle what America is. That sums it up perfectly. I I think that's the thing is the Confederacy. I don't think at any point thought we don't believe in the American ideal. They had some different opinions on certain things about the American ideal, um, but they still believed in America holistically. And now you've got, on one side, people saying that the, peop- the the 70 million plus voters that voted for Donald Trump should be re-educated, I've seen throw out there, which is about as fascist the term as you could throw out there. I'm seeing that republicanism must be stamped out. Um, you, know, you You've got, there wasn't that type of genuine hatred for the people on either side. Even the North and the That's, South fighting, yeah. they didn't hate the people that way. Exactly. And that's why the, the country could come back together. Um, I think people have to keep in mind is like what the South, the seats, uh, the secession, it wasn't like the average person, you know, because people act like every single person owned slaves. But what you really had is you had like the elites essentially trying to keep slavery because they haven't figured out a way to make profits um, without slaves. So, I was just, I was just been doing reading on that and it's talking about like how the huge amount of deserters that the South had, like that they weren't fighting um, for the cause. They were fighting, you know, for, for their homes. That's what they were doing. Yeah. Well, and even some of the most famous, the, the most famous uh, civil war general from the Confederacy is obviously Robert E. Lee because he led the Confederate soldiers. Even Robert E. Lee was very well documented to have had major strife with fighting for the Confederacy, but he ultimately didn't want to fight against his own family, which is why he joined the Confederacy. But he was a West Point trained general of the United States military and almost didn't fight for the Confederacy because he didn't fully agree with what was going on, but he didn't want to fight against his own family. And that's what a lot of it came down to fighting for their own livelihoods, their Mm -hmm. own homes, because they weren't, most of the South wasn't slave owners. Most of the South was, um, sharecroppers and things like that, that were just trying to protect the land they lived in. And they weren't going to fight against their family. That was, you know, all of South Carolina's fighting for the South. I'm going to fight for the South. And whether you, where, wherever you fall on that, whatever you, your personal opinions, that's the fact of the situation. That is, there wasn't a genuine hatred 
in the North for Southerners or in the South for Northerners. There was amongst some people, but it wasn't the entirety of the war the way it seems like it is today. Right, right. Like it wasn't it wasn't a, a war of, of ideals. It was a, a war of uh, economics, really. Mm-hmm. Not to it. Um, but yeah, um, you have anything else you want to talk about the election? No, Sorry, not really. It's not over. Not, not really. I mean, at this, I'm, I'm hoping that the next time we record our, our show, which will be the Sunday after Thanksgiving, that Sydney Powell has dropped her bomb and that we actually have something to talk about. Um, other than that, I don't have anything to say because yeah. I'm, I'm just getting, I'm getting, I've got COVID fatigue about all the garbage with that. And I've got election you fatigue have with COVID all the garbage. Oh, no. oh, it's, I, what, I am well aware. What is your governor doing to you, Jeff? I just want to know. My governor has a mask mandate, which is the most anti-conservative uh, thing in the world. And okay. yeah, I will let you go off on your <laughs> governor in a moment, but I would like to point out that G- Greg Abbott is governor of the state of Texas, a state which is very, very red. And he, throughout most of the, the whole COVID pandemic, has kowtowed to the left within this state. And there are, you know, I live in Dallas County. Dallas County has a, a judge is the um, highest elected official in, in Texas. It's not a sitting judge. It's a, that's just what they call the highest elected official in this, in a County in Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of going back to the old West style when the judge kind of ran the town. Um, but anyway, so Dallas County has a Democrat judge. Um, uh, Harris County, which is where Houston is, has a Democrat, all of the major metropolitan areas, because, Hey, guess what? Democrats are in metropolitan areas. Everybody knows that. And it's horrible. Um, but he, Greg Abbott has kowtowed to a lot of their demands and he's, he's finally started to push back, which is good. But even at the time it was irritating because they're never going to vote for you. No matter what you do to try and win them over, you are never going to get their vote in 2022 when you're up for reelection. So Mm -hmm. you're, you're not going to win the Democrats over by doing anything like that. And what you are doing is pissing off the Republicans in the state so that we might try and primary you out of office. Um, because I will tell you right now, if anyone runs against Greg Abbott in the state of Texas for the Republican primary, I will vote against Greg Abbott in the Republican primary. Now, will I vote him out of office if he's the Republican candidate? Very unlikely because almost anyone that could run against him is almost guaranteed to be far worse and far more liberal and far worse for the state. But if I can get him out of the Republican candidacy, I will, because what he's done is ticked me off. He's done things that were bad for business and bad for the state, and and I disagree with it. Now, all of that said, he has uh, come out and said there will be no new lockdown, and he has put his money where his mouth is. He's backing, uh, he's removing regulations to get more treatments available in the state of Texas, rather than focusing on keeping people locked up. He's focusing on keeping people treated when they go to the hospital if they do get COVID, which is the right approach. Um, and that is a good turn, but it took him six, seven months to get there. That said, everything he has done pales in comparison to govern, Governor Gretchen Whitmer of the uh, great once great state of Michigan, where Mike resides. So Mike, fill us in. Well, um, we have a three-week pause. That's what she's calling it. Um, it's definitely going to go longer than three weeks. The reason is 15 days to slow the spread. Is yeah. 50 days ago, something like that. Yeah. Something like that. Um, so the, what's going to happen is for, so for instance, if you wanted to, if you completely stop the spread of COVID on, on that first day, you won't see the, the impact for another three weeks, four weeks. So her saying three week pause is 
you won't there's no data that will be available for her to say oh now we can open that back up again so people keep acting like this isn't a, a big issue um so my friends that are in the uh, restaurant industry they're freaking out because now you're getting to christmas time and now they can't make any money because if you're if you only do takeout and delivery, your restaurant revenue is going to go down. Especially because most revenue is made through alcohol sales, with people sitting there watching a game. And now you've taken that away from people. So, like I said, um, movie theaters are shut down. So what AMC was doing was that if you bought a ticket, you had to buy a ticket online, and then the seats around you would be like X'd out. So you want to be sitting next to anybody. So why can't we just continue to do that? Like it's stupid. Bowling is shut down. Ice skating rings. They have they have, they mentioned indoor water parks are shut down. Um, we have casinos shut down. Um, the thing that really irritates me is you have manufacturing, construction, or other work that is impossible to do remotely is open, but workplaces where the work can be done from home isn't. Um, does COVID only attack people who work white collar jobs? Is, is that is that the reason why people can work in a similar line next to each other, but they can't work in a cubicle next to each other? Oh, I mean, obviously, it also only attacks up. It only attacks after 10 p.m., which is why California has a 10 o'clock curfew now, because at 10.01, COVID comes out to play. But if you're in bed by 9.59 or in your house, then you're safe. It's it's look, it's ludicrous. It's ridiculous for a number of reasons. And I've met, I've made my COVID spiel on this show um, in the very beginning of this program. And I'll make it again, really, really briefly. It is a, a virus that only really affects in a, in a major way, people over the age of 70 and has a death rate in the overall population of less than a 10th of a percent. It is continuing to drop the death rate as more and more treatments become available. And more important than any of that data is the simple fact that any job is an essential job if it's paying your bills, if it's putting food on your table. The last time I checked, nowhere in the Constitution does the government get the right to decide if someone can earn a livelihood. And that's what the problem really comes down to is constitutional rights are not gone because of someone's fear of a virus. And this isn't, this isn't like airborne Ebola. Like that would, you know, first of all, I wouldn't be supportive of these type of draconian measures, even in that situation, but we're not even talking about that. We're talking about something that has been proven to essentially only kill the same people the flu kills in the same season of the year and is more infective, but not more deadly. And there's, okay, we've got a vaccine coming. There's never been a, an actually effective coronavirus vaccine in the history of vaccines. But, you know, we've only been vaccinating people for well over 100 years. It's just that we haven't bothered to try. No, I, I that's not the problem. The flu shot has been around for years and people still get the flu. It's you don't get to decide as the governor of Michigan, the governor of Texas, the governor of New York or wherever, whether or not someone's job is essential, because whether you are a waitress at a restaurant you're a small business owner of a comic book shop. You're a, a, a hardware store owner. That job is important to you. It's your livelihood. It's your life savings. It's your life's work. Or it's just what you're using to put food on the table for your kids. And that shouldn't be shut down because some people might get a virus. Because I want to go back to, again, the whole 15 days to slow the spread. The reality is all of this was done under the guise, which 
I want to go on record here, Mike. We didn't have a show at the time, but you can vouch for this. I said at the time it was never going to happen and it was going to lead to basically what we're in now. And that it was a bad idea to do 15 days to slow the spread, that a lockdown was never warranted. It was never a good idea. But regardless of all of that, 15 days to slow the spread was to do what? It was to allow the healthcare system to catch up and get the capacity to be ready for the second wave. So two questions. One, when did that turn into month after month lockdowns? And two, what was the healthcare system doing over the last nine months that everyone was locked in their homes and not able to, you know, the jobs were shut down well into the summer, that vacations were canceled all across the country and across the world. What were we doing if we weren't getting ready for this a supposedly coming second wave? Because we've been talking about it since March that there was going to be one in the fall. And mm-hmm. somehow in the fall came, nobody was ready. So what was the government? What was the healthcare system? What was anyone doing to prepare for this aside from apparently sitting on their haunches and waiting to be able to shut things down again. You've got the, you've got Gavin Newsom in California saying he doesn't care if Disneyland ever reopens. Well, that may be great for you. If you don't like, Oh, well, I don't care if Disney's a big corporation. I don't care if they make money. Yeah. Except thousands, thousands of Americans in your state, governor Newsom rely on that job for their livelihood. And you know, you've got Governor Whitmer back in the summer saying, well, you can be open to sell groceries, but in the same store, you can't sell landscaping equipment because I don't want you somebody can't, going sell seeds. I don't want somebody walking across the aisle of a store they're already in. It, we make these measures that make no sense, that have no basis in, in science or fact. And then we say, you've got to follow the science. What science? Where is the science that supports any of the decisions we've made? There is none. I know because I've been tracking the data. As have I. Since uh, middle of, of January. I was tracking it when it was just in China. Then when it jumped to Italy. So my concerns were bigger than yours because of what it was doing to China and Italy. But then it got here and it was like, mm, it was bad, but not as bad as over there. And just want to point out, Italy is one of the worst hit countries and then it has socialized medicine. Yeah. Italy also has, Italy also has one of the oldest average populations of the entire world and the oldest in Europe. So that's a big part of it too. But I mean, we, we don't need to rehash a bunch of that, but yeah, Italy socialized medicine in a catastrophe. And by the way, all something else to point out for everyone is I, I got beat down by, by friends when I brought up months ago that Sweden was a great example. Look, I don't typically point to the Danish country, you know, to Sweden, Denmark <laughs> as examples of a lot of times we do we, in the U S we talk about, we should be more like Sweden, Norway, Denmark, because people think that those countries are a good uh, model. And in many cases, they are not, they are very socialized, have extremely high taxes and a lot of problems. But the thing that they did well is they had no lockdowns whatsoever. They ran and said, everyone's going to do this and we're going to just let it go. And you know what countries having the least problems today? Sweden. Mm -hmm. And you know what countries had draconian measures like the US? Um, Let's see, Japan, South Korea, uh, Italy, France, Germany. And you know where we're seeing huge resurgences around the globe? All of those countries. So what more evidence does it take to show people that Lockdowns don't work because the argument I hear in the U.S. all the time is, well, if we took them more seriously, if people wore their masks more, if people stayed in their houses, we wouldn't have this problem. Okay, you can use that argument in America because the the American independent mindset meant that many people, myself included, did not take a lot of that seriously. Okay, so that's your argument. 
then explain to me the countries in Europe where they were at, or Australia, where they were actually keeping you in homes with police and they mm -hmm. actually enforce their lockdown super securely. And they're having just as big of a resurgence per capita as we are. So was it the lockdowns weren't effective because it was the US mentality or is it because lockdowns don't do anything to stop a virus? I'll try that one. I'll try that one. I would, I they would, did, however, cripple the world economy. Yay. Yeah, it's funny. I was, I was I'm on Facebook and I keep seeing some posts of uh, uh, we, need to shut, we need to shut down and not meet for Thanksgiving because Canada had their Thanksgiving or their yeah, they're, they're Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving yeah. uh, in October, and now their cases are through the roof. But if you look, actually look at the cases, they was, it was going up before that, and there was like no change whatsoever. And it's really irritating because there's a bunch of engineers proposing it. Um, so I, I don't like you can just look at the data and show nothing happened after the their Thanksgiving, nothing whatsoever. Yeah, the I, trend stayed the same. It's just become fear porn. People who I would typically assume are good at looking at empirical evidence and looking at data and making an informed decision have lost that capability completely. And it's, it's become fear porn. All they do is they look and they say, well, this is really bad and it's going to kill grandma if people go out there. First of all, as you and I said months ago on this program, most of the elderly in this country would tell you that they do not believe that they, that you should shut down the country and damage the lives of children and young adults to of protect their, them. Of their, their kids and their kids, kids. Let's, let's make it that, put it that way. Yeah. So most of them wouldn't do that. But second of all, that's not, again, that's not even the case. You can, you can protect the infirm and still allow the country to go back to business. And you can see evidence that that worked because states like South Dakota that never locked down. Yeah. Are they blowing up right now with cases? They are, but so is California that had the most, the strictest lockdowns in the United States. So is New York. So, so does it have anything to do with not locking down? Not remotely. It just has to do with the fact that we are tracking every case of a virus that everyone in America probably will catch. It's like the common cold. It is the same type of virus and we don't track cold cases in this country, so you don't pay attention to it. But the reality is South Dakota is no worse than California is. In fact, per capita, they're much better because they have a lot less deaths. Um, they are no worse than New York. They're, you know, Florida is not, Florida opened up and got a bunch of bad press for it. They're no worse than New York. So you can take Florida's, this. I'm pretty sure Florida's doing better than New York. They are doing, they actually are doing better. Uh, I was, I was trying to make, just simply make the case they're not worse, but you are right. They are doing better. And that's the funny. thing. I, uh, I actually went down to Florida for my birthday in July and they're doing stupid things like checking your, um, your temperature in the middle of July, they were seeing if my forehead was hot. This is, this is, this is why, this is when I stopped caring. Like you're just doing stupid things right now. And this is the same government people want to actually run the healthcare all the way. It's like, why hasn't the, the ship come back to New York that wasn't used at all? Why hasn't um, the Kobo Center in Michigan been refitted with beds? Like they're not doing anything proactive. And this is the government that this is the government that this is uh, the government that people want to give more power to. I do not understand why. I, I just don't get it. The government sucks at doing things. Period. Yeah, if, not only do they suck at doing things, if you haven't figured out by now 
that if you give them give them an inch, they'll take a mile. Look, the whole slippery slope argument is a logical fallacy, but it's not when it comes to the government because I think you can see the evidence. You give mm-hmm. them an inch, and they take. They, you, you give Whitmer the opportunity to close the state for a little bit, and then this, and then she just usurps the power for forever. She gets told by the the legislature that you don't have the power to keep doing this. She does it anyway. She go, they take her to court and the Michigan Supreme court says you violated your powers. You don't have the power to do this. She does it anyway. No, no. The funny part is like they give her the, the, the order to say, you can't do this. And she's like, well, can I do this for another 20, 20 or so days? It's like, no, that's not, that's not how rulings work. You said, we said you don't have the power. You don't get an extension on the power that you don't have. It's just, it's just stupid things like that. If, if you haven't figured out by now, listeners, that the government will take every single bit of power that you allow them to have, then you are not paying attention. Because the one thing that we need to remember as Americans is that the power of the government comes from the consent of the governed. It is time for all of us to start standing up and saying, we do not give you our consent to destroy the economy, to destroy our livelihoods, to shut down our jobs, to lock us in our homes, to tell us we can't see our loved ones, to tell us we can't hug our grandparents. We are living in a dystopian state that previously would have been thought of as a joke. And like when people sell, say this is Orwellian, normally that's a joke. Like normally that's a massive exaggeration, but we are actually at a point in history where things are Orwellian. Things are worse than 1984. And mm-hmm. I didn't think that was possible, but it's true. And if, you, if you're not paying attention, wake up and look around and see what's going on. We've got a country where we are being told in the state of Pennsylvania, you're being told you have to wear a mask in your own home if somebody is visiting. Mm-hmm. They are actually starting. We, we get told regularly, you can't, you shouldn't police people in the bedroom and things like that when it comes to uh, sexual laws and things like that. But we are now actively trying to police who comes into your home, whether you're wearing a mask around them. Uh, if they're going to come to your home for Thanksgiving, you are supposed to contact, take down their information for contact tracing. It's, it's. First it's off, you shouldn't have anyone in your house for Thanksgiving that you don't know. That's just, that's just kind of weird. You should already have their contact information. How do they get there in the first place if you didn't contact them? I mean, I, I would I would agree with that. That is kind of strange, <laughs> just as a general rule. But yes, please come, random people, to my home. Honestly, <laughs> to be honest with you, if I lived in California, I might do that as a form of protest. I might have a 500-person Thanksgiving where I just let people run through my house. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's just crazy. And it's, it's just like, so preschool and through eighth grade, um are open or, or based by um like local district choice but then high schools and like colleges are forced to do, go to in-person learning like this just doesn't make any any sense on how you do this this is this is what irritates me about it yeah when when call it when college age kids are at virtually zero risk yeah they got and- they have covid yeah how many of them have died from it how many of them even have gotten hospitalized? That's the thing is not only are we talking about deaths not being a big deal for those, there are very few hospitalizations at that age bracket. I won't say there are zero because there are some, but there are very few. There are a statistically insignificant amount. And exactly. that is not what we should be making our decisions based on is the anomalies. People die of just about every random illness in the United States, but they're anomalies. You can die of strep throat. Yeah. Yeah, last if I remember correctly, of the two hundred 
220,000 people that have died, I think like less than a thousand or like 30 and below, maybe in 45 and below. And, and those are the people we're telling not to go out, not to, not to frequent restaurants, not to go to bars because they're vectors of transmission. And by the way, schools have also been proven not to be vectors of transmission, which yeah, is CDC, if I ever I hear the term that. vectors of transmission anymore, I might lose my mind because it's, it's gotten ridiculous. I mean, we, we've gotten so absurd. I'm mean, like, we're, we're canceling Thanksgiving. I've, they've already started the call to th- cancel Christmas. No, just, just no. I'm traveling for Christmas and I'm not changing that. Nice. And, and I have no intention of changing it. I'm going to be inter- interacting with lots of people from lots of different states. And you know what? I'm not going to stop anything or change any of my plans based on some ridiculous government edict. Mm-hmm. The only reason I'm not doing something for Thanksgiving is because I wasn't going to anyway. Yeah. And like, we're not saying to go out and like lick doorknobs and things like that. Or no, that was very people- stupid before COVID. Yeah, or to let people cough all over you. What we're, we're what we are saying is, the government has no authority except because you give it gave them to them to do this to us. This is what we're saying. So again, like Kroger says that I have to wear a mask. Like, all right, well, I want to shop at Kroger, so I'm going to put the mask on. But the government shouldn't be telling me I need to wear a mask. That's yep. that's where I have the issue with. If, exactly. If every single business said you need to wear a mask to come in here, I'm like, all right. That's my choice to come into this building. So I'm going to do it. But now it's like, I have have the right to do what they want. Yeah. And we're not, I'm not, I have no problem with that whatsoever. Like the the other thing though, is most of those private businesses don't really care. They don't. So actually, a a minimum wage employee does not really want to argue with you about wearing a freaking mask. Yeah. I actually have a funny story about that. So I was, I actually went to Kroger, uh, three days ago and there was this, three people, um, two, two older guys and a, an older lady. One of the guys, um, had his mask on, but was like down under his chin. And like this, the older, other older guy and older lady was like yelling at him to put the mask on. And then she started yelling at the employees to get the manager, get the manager. They would hate me that I, I regularly wear mine as a chin diaper if I'm wearing it at all, oh, because you know, like I'm probably going to get a lot of, I'll get a lot of hate for saying I'm anti-mask, but I am. I, I, I will wear it if a private business asks me to do it. I go to my comic book shop. They ask me to wear a mask. I do because it's a private business and I'll respect your ass. I'll respect your request. It's, I didn't have to shop there. I'm choosing to be in your business. So I will do that. Um, I'm not ever going to do it in a government building. I am even the mask mandate here in Texas. I openly will walk past the police are supposed to stop me if I'm not doing it. Um, first of all, they never have, and they never will because the cops in this country that are getting threatened by, uh, Antifa are probably less concerned about me wearing a mask than whether or not someone's going to try and assassinate so a them. Molotov cocktail at them. So they're not going to bother because they don't care and want to, don't want to waste their time. But second of all, um, they have to have cause to the, the thing that people keep forgetting is like a govern a governor's order is not a law. They don't, they have to have cause to do these things. Like they, they, the governor cannot just make arbitrary laws for this, for in, in perpetuity. Yeah. This is, this is why I have problem with executive orders in general at the federal level as well. Yeah. I think because they, I think they, they become dictatorial edicts. Yeah. We and have a separation of powers for a reason. Mm-hmm. Like that's why I was pissed about um, the Supreme court, not overturning DACA. 
I also was pissed about that because it was a completely unconstitutional order to put in place. Yep. You do not have the right to make immigration policy outside of the legislature. But all right. I've talked COVID to death. How about you, Mike? Yeah, I'm done with that. All right, let's um, move on. Yeah. So um, for anyone who doesn't know, Jeff is a is a new father. So I wanted to talk to him about children's rights and where does the children's constitutional rights and and the parents' rights begin? Because there's there's things out there like if your kid wants to be transgender, then you can't stop them. Or if um, your your daughter wants to get birth control or an abortion, if she's underage, she can do that in certain states. So I guess so. This is obviously on the left. So I know Jeff how he feels about those type of things. But in general, like where, where does where do you draw the line between your child's constitutional right? I mean, obviously, um, his constitutional right to uh, like fall off a, a table versus you thinking in the best interest of him not to jump off the table when he's well, you know, when he's walking around doing that. Yeah, I mean, so it's it's a really good question, a really good topic. I, I I'm gonna go. I'll get into it more specifically in a minute, but I'm going to make a really big blanket statement. That is, I don't believe children have rights for the most part. Um, I I, I will say that right now because I am, in addition to being very conservative, I am also very devout Christian, as you know, Mike, and as we have talked about on the air. And it is my job, not the state's job, not the neighborhood's job, not my Mm -hmm. next door neighbor's job to raise my child. And that is the job that God has appointed to me as his father. Um, and, And I have very specific job to raise him to know God and to raise him to be, uh, to be an upright and righteous man. Mm -hmm. So what rights does he have? Does he like, he has the right to life. He has the right, like children have rights when it comes to abusive parents, I would say like Mm -hmm. no child should ever have to, um, be starved or be beaten or be locked in a cage, things like that. Like those, yes, you have the rights not to have that as a child because you have the right to your life to be protected. You have the right to be safe, the right to be protected and, and loved. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and, and you have the right to free speech to an extent within the government. Now, where I think children's rights completely end, and this is where I would say, this is where my kind of blanket comes in where children don't really have any rights. Children don't have rights in my mind to go opposed to their parents' on pretty much anything until they're adults. Um, because look, I don't believe that my child, if, if my child decided now, I believe that if you raise your child, right, they won't do this. But if my child decided he wanted to be transgender when he was eight years old, I do not believe that the government has the right to get in the way of how I raise my child and Mm -hmm. to say that you can, that my child who is eight years old and unable to decide what clothes he's going to wear for the day without making silly choices or unable to, you know, unable to enter into a contract legally that the government would have recognized, but he can somehow now decide if he's going to take hormone blockers that will affect his life for the rest of his life. No, it's absurd. It's patently absurd. So no, children do not have that right. Children do not get the right to make a decision for themselves counter to their parents. The reality is as much as people don't like this and, and every kid says, I'll never say that when I'm a parent about, well, I'm your dad. So I, and I said, so the reality is sometimes that's the case. Sometimes I'm your dad. And because I said, so are that now I fully believe, and this is how I'm going to raise my child. And it was how I was raised is that was never the only answer I was given. I was given a reason. Now that didn't mean that I was, I could ignore the reason and just say, well, I don't agree with you. Um, my parents would explain to me why they did something, but at the end of the day, 
if my parents said it, I had to do it. Yeah. And like we're that, explaining to you, but this isn't a, a conversation where you exactly sway my opinion. That, that, exactly. <laughs> this, this is not a this is not a debate. We're explaining it to you because we have respect for you as an individual and we want you to grow up to believe in fairness and justice. And so my parents did explain things to me. And I was even allowed to, if I thought something was unjust or unfair, I was allowed to argue my point. And again, that didn't mean my parents would agree with me, but there were there were times in my life where I was going to get punished. I stated my case and my parents said, okay, then, you know, and they, and they changed their course. And so I believe in doing that. I believe that to be a good parent, you should have that relationship with your child where you raise them to have that kind of conversation. But at the end of the day, if I tell my kid to, to clean his room, if I tell my kid, you're not taking hormone blockers. If I tell my kid that, you know, if I want to ground my child because they're taking, because they did drugs or something like that, that's my prerogative as a parent. And the government has no right whatsoever to step in because you use the example of transgender, um, transgender drugs, which has Mm -hmm. become a big hot button issue in the last five years. Another one is abortions. I do not believe a child has any right to privacy when it comes to getting an abortion. Um, when you're not 18 years old, you do not have that right. Unless you've been emancipated from your parents, which means you are a legal adult, you don't have the right to have that hidden. And, you know, if if it's something the child's afraid their parents are going to react poorly to, then that should be an indicator of whether or not you should be doing that. The reality is part of the reason our country is in decline is because we don't make children have consequences anymore. We don't make children have to deal with the consequences of their actions and we give them an out. And the other thing I don't agree with, I don't believe the government should have any ability to step into how I punish and discipline my child outside of, again, actual child abuse. Beating your kid, locking him in a cage, doing things, horrible things like that should always be against the law. And your child has a right to be safe and protected. But we've gotten to the point now where spanking a child is illegal. And I'll tell you right now, I was spanked as a kid. I'm going to say it right now. I don't even care that this is going to be heard by people. I believe in spanking. It the, the Bible very clearly says, spare the rod, spoil the child. And I believe in disciplining your child. Now, that doesn't mean you beat the child bloody. But it means you teach them discipline. And, and look, putting a kid in timeout, maybe some kids respond to that. Most children don't. Mm-hmm. The reality is children respond to what they can, what they recognize. And a smack on the butt is something a child recognizes. I don't want to, I don't want that again. So I won't do that again. And it's, it, again, that doesn't mean you have to beat them bloody. It means you give them a, a, a quick smack on the behind and you're okay. And you know how many generations of children were brought up that way and had no problems? Every Hundreds. single one except for ours? Yeah. Up and up until about the 1990s, pretty much every generation. And there were a lot fewer problems with discipline in schools, with discipline at home, with uh, rambunctious youths than there are today. And again, all of it comes down to the government tries to get poke its nose into how parents raise their children. And I think it's, I think it's wrong. And I think it's unconstitutional. And I think it's frankly, anti-Christian. I think the Bible, the, everybody has this belief now it takes a village to raise a child. No, it doesn't. It takes a parent. It takes a parent who's willing to be a parent and not be a friend. You can have a good relationship with your child while still establishing the boundary that I am your parent and that's your job. And if you're not willing to do that, don't have children. Yeah. Yeah. I have uh, no desire to be my, my future kids, friends, maybe like when they're adults and they're yeah, older. Exactly. Like I'm fr- I would say I have a friendly relationship with my parents. Now I'm 32 years old. Uh, growing up, right. I was not my, f- my parents were not my friends. 
Yeah. Now, did I, I didn't hate my parents either. I know a lot of people did. I had a really good relationship with my parents at all points in my life, but they were not my friends. At no point was I their friend. And numerous times, if I mouthed off, I remember hearing the phrase, I am not your friend. Do not talk to me like that because they are not my friends. They are my parents and I am supposed to respect them. I would say things to you that I would not say to my parents. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. So that's right. Again, I brought it up because you no, know, Jeff has his, his child. Um, how old is he now? Uh, he's three months. He'll be three months. actually he'll be three months officially on uh, Tuesday. Okay. Okay. Cool. And then obviously, I'm going to be getting married soon, and be cranking out a few kids as well. So just wanted to get. Um, Where do you fall on it? I know, I know you don't have kids yet, but I know that that's a just. I mean, that's something I've I've known how I wanted to raise my kids long before I had them. And obviously, things will change as I as he grows and things like that, as both of us acknowledge. But where do you fall on things, Mike? Where Where does the child's rights start and end? So, I believe that kids have a right to life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness, and that is bound by what the parents allow them to have in that regard. So. My kid will have the freedom to play whatever game on his PlayStation 17 that he wants to play. Or, you know, he can eat whatever food that's in the kitchen that's not um, aimed for the, uh, dinner that day. But, yeah, like you wanted to, oh, you feel like you're a girl now? I was like, mm, yeah, no, you don't. You're like, oh, we need to, go, we need to do something else. We need to do something about that. It's not you. It's not you can just do that and be okay with it. Um, you know, if they decided that they want to be um, Buddhists or Muslims, like no, this is a Christian household. We're not doing that. You can do it when you're 18. Feel free to. I would prefer that you don't. But yeah, it's weird to me that you have to be 18 to to get a tattoo, but you can be nine when you decide that you want to. Um, irreparably gender. harm your irreparably harm your body exactly this is just weird to me um in regards to spanking so yeah i was spanked as well um i mean i'm i'm hoping that i don't have to spank but i'm, I'm sure i will yeah i mean i like i said it's not like I, I'm, I'm sure i was spanking less than my parents and my parents spank less than their parents um but yeah i'm kids sometimes don't respond to no. So yeah. like, and it, and I think it has a lot to do with the age of the kid too. Like you're not going to spank a 10 year old as much because you probably don't need to, but when they're two or three, that's probably what they respond to. Yeah. Like I think I was spanked until pretty much until I got my super Nintendo. Then they just took that away from me. And that yeah. hurt. And like I said, that I hurt so much no more with other forms of, I have no problem with other forms of punishment when you're older and you get grounded, you have things taken away, but I guess my point in bringing up spanking was I have a problem with the government telling me whether I'm allowed to do it or not. If it's not actually abusive to the child, because the reality is, look, I was spanked as a kid. I wasn't spanked that much in all honesty. I didn't get in trouble that much as a kid. Um, I have a brother. I have a brother who got spanked a whole ton because <laughs> he would actively defy things because that was his, that was his personality. Mm -hmm. And he would he, somebody would tell him no, and he would go do it and smirk about it. Like, Oh, you told me I can't do it. So now I'm going to do it more. Like, so he got spanked more like mm -hmm. that's what happens. Um, but again, I was spanked as a kid. I, I was never bruised. I was never in pain for more than a, an instant, but it was enough to shock me into going, I don't like that. I don't want to do it again. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. If, if a child is 
bloody, bruised, and in, in actual, in, actually injured, then the parents have gone way beyond what's acceptable, and that needs to be taken care of. Beyond that, though, a quick, a quick tap on the butt should not get somebody get a parent in trouble, and it does in this country, and that's the problem. We've we've gotten to the point where we we want to tell everyone how to raise their kids. And yet at the same time, we don't want anyone to actually raise their kids. Everybody kind of wants to shirk that responsibility onto somebody else. Oh, well, it's the teacher's job. Oh, well, it's somebody's job. It's, no, it's your job as a parent to raise your kids. And like you said, and like, I, I think one of the examples you gave was great is my kid's not going to tell me he's he's a Muslim, he's a Buddhist, he's he's uh, an atheist. Or, no, this is a Christian household, household and I'm going to raise you to be that way. Now, granted, that doesn't mean I can do that by force. You cannot bring someone to God by force. But it is my job to bring, bring him up in that in that teaching, though. To bring him up to know that, and and hopefully that he comes to know God on his own through that. But mm -hmm. there will be no. Well, I would like to attend a mosque. There will be no. I'd like to convert to uh, to Islam while I'm you're living in my house. No, this is a Christian household, and, I'm, and as long as you live here, as long as I'm raising you, you're going to grow up learning that. And and I cannot force you to become a born again Christian, but I'm going to try. I'm going to try and teach you that, but I can for sure tell you you're not allowed to do just like nowadays. I, I, this is, let's get into a much more simplistic example. Marijuana is legal in a lot of States in the union now. And that number is growing. Um, I don't care if it's legal or not. Cigarettes were legal when I was a kid too. And actually you could smoke legally at 16 in the state of Colorado. Um, if I had been caught smoking, even when I was 16, 70, my dad would have reamed me. He, uh, I would have got, I, I don't know about you, but my parents would have killed me. I mean, like mm -hmm. I, I would have, I would have been raked over the coals and I have never done drugs in my life. I can say that proudly. It's not, it's just something I've never had an interest in doing. It's not, it was something I was raised to not want to do. And I didn't want to do it. And I haven't done it. Uh, if I had done it, I would have gotten <laughs> reamed, but now marijuana is legal. So as a parent, am I going to, am I going to get told in five, 10 years that I'm not allowed to stop my kid from smoking weed? Cause I'll tell you what, I don't care what the state says. My kid gets caught smoking weed and he's going to get his ass chewed. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny that marijuana is becoming illegal, but you can't buy compressed um, air without an ID because you can get high from it. It's just, just the stupidity of our government. Mm -hmm. And by the way, for everyone listening, I actually am for legalization of marijuana. I've actually, Me too. I've never said that on this show, but I'm for the legalization of marijuana because I think prohibition has been proven not to work. And I don't think the government has any need. Now, the problem is what's happening is you've got legalization of marijuana and now you've got the legalization PCP. of crack cocaine um, in, in parts of the country. And we've gotten pretty ridiculous. Um, so... Yeah, I, I'm actually for it, but just because I'm for something, I'm also for. I also have no problem with drinking alcohol. I drank a lot in college. Um, Mike can attest to that fact. But I don't recall that at all. My kids are going to be raised not to be doing those things when they're in my household. And when you grow up and you go do things, they're like, I again, I'm I'm actually for the legalization of marijuana. I am I am really against the anti-smoking campaigns for cigarettes because everybody knows they're bad for you at this point. If you're choosing to do it, just leave people alone, let them do it. But that doesn't mean that I have to let my kids do something. There's a difference between being okay with the government allowing something and thinking that I, as a parent need to need to be forced to allow it. And that's the problem is like, Oh, well the government allows abortion. So you have to allow your kid to get an abortion without you being told. No, that's, no, there no. is a difference. I am their parent and I am their I am responsible for them until they move out of my house. Mm -hmm. Exactly. All right. 
let's uh we want to shift gears a little bit and have a have a little more of a fun conversation for the rest oh, of the show that wasn't fun for you actually it was i mean i find it i found it entertaining and i we could definitely hit the next poly or the last topic on the list but i know you're up against the clock a little bit so you tell yeah. me yeah let's do comics so i can go and make some steak all right so let's do comics then so uh this week we have kind of a double review um, we alluded to this comic actually last week. It was one of my kind of, when we gave an example of a five-star comic book, um, this was one of mine and I think Mike's as well. Yeah. Uh, so we did, uh, the justice league tower of Babel, which is a four issue miniseries arc that came uh, out in 2000 correctly. Uh, I did, I that sounds right. I'd have to double check again. I, I didn't look when I reread it. I didn't look at when it came out. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it's, I'm pretty sure it's a thousand, 2000. But I think, yeah, it came out in 2000. That is correct. It was uh, JLA numbers 43 through 46. Which um, you can watch, read on the DC Universe app. Yep. So DC, uh, give us some money. Yeah. We, we, actually, they're actually like connected together. You didn't have to go to, to like the JLA um, books. Is it, it just had like Tower of Babel as its own separate thing that you could read, which is pretty nice. It, I, I love the DCU app. And again, D, DC, we would love to be uh, sponsored by, by DC Comics. And we will happily spend all of our time talking you up and talking down the competition. Yes. Um, the dreaded Marvel. I have, I have no problem talking down Marvel. I don't either. In fact, I would prefer to do it. Um, and, and if I could just, you know, if I could be compensated for that, then all the more. But I'll do it either way. Um, but anyway, so we did Tower of Babel, but also, um, and I, again, don't recall the year it came 2012. out. So 2012, thank you, Mike. Mm -hmm. Justice League Doom, which was a DC University animated film. Um, was I just want to say that DC's animated films um, destroys anything that Marvel has ever done in, in its entire existence. Every single movie. I agree with that, and I would also add to that that yeah. DC's animated films also destroys everything they've ever done live action on screen. I don't want, I don't want to say that. For some reason... <laughs> I, I know you didn't want to say it, but, but I'm going to throw this out there. For some unknown reason, they don't understand that they could take the same exact script that it's they did for an, for an animated movie and turn it into a live action. And I would pay to see it. I would throw my money at them to see that. Yeah. But instead, like they, they do say, they do great on comics, animated movies, TV shows. But for some reason, they can't do live action. I don't get it. I, because they're like, no, we have to do live action. Can't be the same. All yeah. of our fans don't love everything we're doing animated. We couldn't just do that. Like I've been talking to one of our friends for a while now about what honestly should have been the next Batman movie. And I will say that the, the, not to go off too much on a tangent, but the, um, the, the Edward Pattinson, um, Batman movie or Robert Pattinson, yeah, sorry, Robert. played Edward, right. And played Edward in twilight. I think Mr. Sparkle. Uh, Robert Pattinson, um, Batman movie actually looks really good from the trailers. I've oh, I seen. can't wait to watch, watch um, it. But so, random when he hit that dude and just kept hitting him, I was like, "Yep, I'm gonna watch this movie 17 times." I loved that it, and actually, a lot of people were were dogging on the eye makeup, the emo Batman look in the Batcave. I actually thought, as silly as it is, that was the best part of the entire trailer. Yeah, it's actually is it accurate because it's sad because they always show him like he, he takes the cowl off and then he's no, he would have the still have the eye black yeah. because he does do that. So I was like, oh, that's a that's a small detail, but meaningful to me. So yeah, I'm I'm stoked for the movie. But anyway, you know, I've been talking to our friend for a while that honestly, instead of doing that script, which does look really good, they could have just done Mask of the Phantasm. Because that is probably one of the most beloved Batman stories anyone's ever done. Mm -hmm. And you already have an hour and a half long movie for it. Yeah. 
It's you don't have to do anything. Just go and hire the actors. It's all there. Listen, one, all you all you have to do is just watch this this animated movie like twenty times and then just do that. You could do a shot for shot remake, and I would still pay to see it. Yes, I don't know why that's so hard to comprehend, but anyway, I digress. So we we read Tower of Babel, and Justice League Doom was released twelve years later. Um, the DC animated movie, which follows the, it, we, we reviewed Doom as well because Doom follows the Tower of Babel plotline relatively closely. There are some significant differences that we'll get into, mm-hmm. um, but the overall concept came direct, directly from Tower of Babel. So they're kind of um, very clearly related. So we wanted to do kind of a, a review of each and then a comparative, a comparative review as well. Mm-hmm. So Mike, I'll let you start us off. Yeah, so... Let's let's start with Tower of Babel. Um, so the the general premise is uh, Raish, um He loves the he loves the the trees and plants and animals, um, and he hates mankind for destroying it. So he decides that he's going to have mankind essentially destroy itself. Can, can we talk for a very brief second about the the prevailing theme that eco terrorists are constantly? Um, the bad guys in comic book and other movies like James Bond movies, comic book movies, comic book theory stories. Mm-hmm. So everyone always wants to be green, but everyone seems to openly hate them <laughs> and think that they're villains. So maybe just maybe they should rethink some things. They really should. It's, again, I care about the, about, about the, about the environment, but there's a difference between caring about the environment versus trying to sacrifice humans for the planet yeah like, i don't burn tires but i also don't I you mean, thought I also, you thought about it you, you thought I mean, about it if i had more tires Makes but sense. i also don't vilify people for using disposable plastic bottles <laughs> not yet i snip my little like the little can things i always cut those because i one time saw a picture of a turtle it got stuck in one when it was little and it grew and so its shell like grew around it and oh, yeah. that was very sad. So, like, I take, I care about animals. I care about the environment. But there's a balance. I'm yeah. not a lunatic. Right. So, like, in California, you can't get plastic straws, but they give out needles like that. And all the needles are, I are, on, hate are paper on the ground. Straws. Paper straws are a, an atrocity. I honestly, they, they should go away. Because by about three sips in, you're just drinking paper. Mm-hmm. They're it's gross. delicious. I don't understand why anybody wants to use them. The and thing, what are we really saving by not using a plastic straw? And the thing is, they could have went with like metal. They could have gone. They could have gone metal, but then okay, then you have to reuse them to make it not a waste. You could have gone just gone with biodegradable plastic, which plenty of exists. Yeah. In fact, I've had biodegradable plastic straws, but they're for some reason far less common than a paper straw, which is awful. It is. I don't. When I whenever I, I get them, I just take them out and just drink it straight from the glass. Or uh, what I've seen a lot of places do is they're starting to do lids that have like a sippy cup type lid to it, so that you can just like if you're in the car and then you don't need a straw. Mm-hmm. Either one is better. So because paper straws suck. This is a random fact, but Starbucks redesigned their their lids to save to not have the uh, plastic straw, and the amount of plastic they added from the lid was more than the plastic straw. Not remotely surprising. The amount of the amount of fossil fuels used to create a Tesla battery is worse 
than if you ran a regular car for 100,000 miles. But nobody talks about that either. Now, Teslas mm. are really cool for other reasons, but they're not any more uh, green or environmentally friendly. No, they're actually worse in like the Midwest because we have our our older um, grid system and because the batteries can't handle our crazy weather as well. So like, no, they'll, they'll make, they make sense in like California where the weather is pretty mild and standard. Um, some places like down South, like they make, they make sense here in Dallas. There are a lot of them in Dallas and they work yeah. well here. They don't um, make sense in, in Michigan. And, and again, like, they, I actually think Teslas are cool. Like you put a I Tesla in, you put a Tesla in what is it, ludicrous mode, and they're in they're crazy fast. Yeah, um, I love so electric because they have instant torque. Yeah, and because but, there's virtually no limit to the torque. Yeah, you can just rev, you can just rev that motor as much as you want. Mm -hmm. It's um, they're crazy cool, but they're all they're. Not, I would get one purely for the fun of it, not remotely for the environment. Right. It it would be like a my my third car. Yeah, right. I would love to. I mean, I'd love to have one just to take and just buzz around in because they're cool. They have yeah. and they they have cool things. But yeah, they're not. Um, but they're not, not doing things. They're not green. The environment. You're not. You may feel smug and drive around um, using one, but you're not helping the environment yeah. at all. Because like manufacturing the Tesla versus manufacturing the regular car is pretty much the same thing, except for the the powertrain. So. Well, and is, like I said, and the, the except for like, the actual battery, the battery worse. manufacturing takes a lot is is a big problem. The yeah. chemicals in the batteries are super bad for the environment, and, and as you and pointed they come out, from, like the, China and like Africa, where they don't care about the environment, environment, and where they don't care about the people either, the workers, which everyone who buys Teslas also cl claims to care about. You know, workers' rights, but you don't care about the little. Uh, the little African kid who's digging up cobalt for a nickel a day and having his knuckles bleed. Um, but again, I don't he have a problem with Tesla. So he just, doesn't exist, Jeff. Yeah. Well, and, and like I said, I don't have a problem with Teslas, but I have a problem with people thinking they're good for the environment because they're not. They're, and as you pointed out, the electricity to power them still comes from our grid. Most of our electricity comes from coal, fossil fuel. Coal and natural gas. Oh, so, yeah. So our electricity is still, it, it's still being powered by fossil fuels just indirectly. I actually saw a really funny video online of a guy who had a Tesla broken down and was pulled over on the side of the road. And this, have you seen this video? Mm -hmm. so, Good. Good so a guy pulled over to stop and help him and started recording because it was hilarious. And the dude was asking for gas and didn't seem to like realize like this car doesn't take gas, but he had a Honda electric jet gas generator in the trunk of his Tesla so he could put some gas in the generator and charge his Tesla so he could get going. Like, you're not, that's not saving the environment. Like if you want to have, like I said, if you want to have a Tesla just cause they're fun, then have a Tesla. Cool. But Go for it. don't pretend that you're doing a favor to the environment cause you're not. Yeah. And anyone who thinks I'm wrong, I'm an emissions engineer. So suck it. I'm not an emissions engineer. I'm just not a moron. There you go. I mean, Mike has, Mike spends all of his day and night doing this. Uh, I don't, I work in manufacturing, not in emissions, but I also just can look at data and you can go and read this for yourself. But to Mike's point, Mike actually spends <laughs> lots of time on this. Anyway, we've gotten way off topic. Back to Tower of Babel. <laughs> um, yeah, back to Tower of Babel. So um, eco-terrorist, Ray Al Ghul, who loves all the, the trees and tigers, he actually killed someone in the beginning because the a baby tiger died. <laughs> Anyway, so he decides that he wants to take out 
um, have mankind like kind of call itself and, and reduce the population. And then he's going to take over and rule from there. Um, and the way he does it, the reason it's called Tower of Babel is because they he makes this um, this sound that kind of messes with your the audio um, center in your brain. So you can't or the audio and, and visual. So you can't understand language and you can't like read pretty much get dyslexia and then everyone pretty much gets their own language. So because of that, because people can't communicate, um, chaos ensues. So you have, um, I guess, small things like um, the ambulance or surgeries can't happen because you don't know which medicine you're giving them. And you have larger things like two warring countries um, trying to have a diplomatic discussion, which breaks down, then wars can um, start. So it's, it's, it's small and big ways that the, the human population is going to wipe itself out. Um, so in, in this version of Justice League, you have Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman. You have um, uh, Green Lantern, which is uh, Kyle... Kyle uh, Rayner. Kyle Rayner. Um, I'm pretty sure this is the Wally West version of Flash. Then you also have... Aqu- uh, yes. Yeah. Then you also have Aquaman, uh, Martian Manhunter, and Plastic Man, which I feel he doesn't get used enough. I love him. He's hilarious to me. Plastic Man's actually a cool character. He is. He's, he and is it, way underutilized. Yeah, exactly. Um, so you have all these characters. Um, so what Raish does is he decides to take out those characters first so he can have a better chance of succeeding with his plan. And the way he does it is by taking Batman's I, um, ideas, his contingency plans for the Justice League, and altering them, I think, a little bit to... Um, to take out the Justice League. So it's a story about, it's a cool story about how the, the, the superheroes are being taken out because it's, it's psychological ways they're, they're taken out and about, you know, Batman doing what Batman does best, which is um, planning ahead, but unfortunately his plans get taken. Um, so this is a quick summary of that. Um, for Doom, um, uh, Justice League Doom, it's a similar premise. Um, the Justice League characters in that are, are again, Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, um, Flash, Martian Manhunter, Martian Manhunter, and uh, and Green Lantern, but I believe they use Hal Jordan in yes, the, it's the Hal, Hal Jordan Green Lantern, and then Cyborg's there, but he's not a part of the Justice League officially at that point. And another big change is they have Vandal Savage as the main villain instead of Race. Yeah, and Vandal Savage has a completely different um, ultimate goal as well. Um, he still wants to it's, take out wipe out most of the, of mankind though. Yeah. But his goal is to basically start a whole new civilization with himself as the kind of the ruler of the world. Whereas Rachel Ghoul basically just wants to wipe out humanity. Right. Um, but I thought, I thought he wanted to rule the world as well. Um, yeah. But I don't think, I don't think it was quite the same. He, he yeah. wants to, he wants to rule the world, but he wants to drag, he wants to, um, I mean, I guess it is at the, at, at its core, I guess it's the same wipe out a bunch of people, rule what's left. So I guess in that sense, it's the same. Mm-hmm. Um, Rachel Ghoul, in my mind is the better villain for the storyline. Oh, I agree. Um, and, and so that's, that's where we'll kind of begin things. So let's first talk, I guess, about the, the different plots. So um, the different plots to, to, to take out the justice league. So this is the comic where, where you really see they, they allude in a lot of comics to Batman having contingencies for the justice league. And you see them in some things you see, um, uh, 
you know, he has kryptonite ring and hush and he had, there are things here and there, but in this one, you really get to see all of what Batman does. Um, all, all of, um, his plots really play out, which is fun. Um, for Martian Manhunter, uh, it's the same in both. So there are a few that are different and a few that are the same. For Martian yeah. Manhunter, it's the same in Doom and in Tower of Babel. He covers so Martian his body Manhunter, basically- Mar- Most of Martian Manhunter, Wonder Woman, and Batman have the same things happen to him. And Fla- Flash is essentially the same as well. Um, I, I will call it different. So Flash, in the, in the movie, he has a bomb strapped to his wrist, and if he's stops running he blows up but in the in the comic he has a yeah i guess in the comic he has a seizure bullet that gives him seizure constant seizures at light speed so i guess that's that's different i'll I'll give you that that's different Mm -hmm. um i was thinking of it more as i mean he's incapacitated by by his speed in both oh yeah because he can't phase out of it but i guess you're right it is significantly different man martian manhunter is covered with nanites that basically turn his skin into magnesium or at least the outer layer of his skin. Um, so he bursts into flame in open air and Martian Manhunter is terrified of fire. Um, that right. is kind of the, the crux of his character. Right. Um, and so that's the, that's the good way that you said it. He's terrified of fire, but he's not actually, it actually doesn't hurt him. It's just when his world was destroyed, it was destroyed by fire. And in the Martian Manhunter or in their species, they're all connected. So he pretty much uh, felt that the entire um, this entire race burned into flames. Yeah. So yeah, and, and, and so Mike Mike's point of it doesn't it doesn't kill Martian Manhunter. It doesn't even really hurt him, but it essentially incapacitates him, which Batman knows it will because he he's so petrified that he cannot do anything. He just goes into a panic, um, and that's in this that's the same in the movie and the comic. Um, I think the the most interesting to me is the Green Lantern in the comic book. Because in the comic book, they use Kyle Rayner as the Green Lantern instead of Hal Jordan. And the primary difference between Hal Jordan and Kyle Rayner is Hal Jordan's biggest thing in the comics, his biggest story arc is two things. Um, He he either deals with the guilt of destroying Coast City, depending on where at in the story you are, um, because of being taken over by Parallax. Or he deals with, as in the comics, he deals with um, his kind of his love relationship with uh, um, Star Sapphire. Mm-hmm. Um, Kyle Rayner is an artist and so Batman takes away his sight. Um, so he, the, the ring actually makes him believe he's blind, uh, or essentially, um, he believes he's blind. So because he believes it and his will is so strong in that belief that the ring makes him blind is basically what it is. Um, and because he's blind, he can't see. And as an artist, it's kind of crippling to him. Um, so again, that kind of drives him nuts, which is cool. Uh, Wonder Woman's pretty much the same in both. Uh, she is fighting an unwinnable fight and an unending fight, um, in her mind. And, and she will, and in, in Tower of Babel, she's stuck in like a virtual reality in doom, uh, in doom. She just keeps thinking that people are cheetah. Mm -hmm. Um, but she, Wonder Woman will not, we talked about this before actually last week that one of Wonder Woman's things that's different from like Superman or Batman is Wonder Woman won't quit. She'll fight to the point of death. Um, and which is really what basically what it is, is Batman know that she knows that she will fight until she kills herself until her heart essentially explodes. Um, so I always, I thought that one was a cool plot. Um, aqua plastic man isn't in, um, doom, but plastic man is frozen. So he basically is brittle. 
um, and can break into pieces, <laughs> which is probably the most cruel of all of Batman's contingencies. That is probably the most cruel. Yeah. I, I assume that the shattering part wasn't a part of his plan. Just I assume that is, I, yeah, they don't really say, but I assume that wasn't his plan. Um, but it is still the most, it is still the most effed up. Like yeah. everything else is like, okay, this, it's going to stop him, but it's not going to kill him. Like um, that's Aquaman's cool. was Aquaman. Um, Aquaman is uh, made afraid of water. Yeah. Um, He's so, Atlantean. So he kind of needs it. Yeah, so he'll he actually will die if he doesn't get in water, but he's terrified of water. Right. So yeah, Aquaman's is pretty nuts as well. Um, Superman um, he gets exposed to red kryptonite, which is super cool. Um, that makes his like uh, makes his skin basically transparent, so it overloads his solar absorption and makes him like basically in his senses go crazy haywire, and he's like in constant mm -hmm. pain. Yeah, and that's, and that's one of the reasons why I liked um, Tower of Babel more than Doom, um, because in Tower of Babel, the people had already started um, freaking out. So now Superman is like stuck in this tower, just kind of watching things happen and hearing every single thing because and not being able to do anything. So it's, it's really like a it's really more damaging to him versus in Doom where he just gets. He gets Just shot, get with shot with a kryptonite bullet. bullet. Yeah. Which, yeah, I agree with you. I think that Tower of Babel takes takes Superman out of the equation in a much more meaningful and significant way, mm -hmm. um, and it's just it's cooler plotline. And um, and Batman is distracted from all of this happening um, because the League of Assassins has stolen the um, coffins of his parents. Um, so that's that's Superman or Batman's whole thing is he's trying to get them back um and because otherwise rachel ghoul knows that he would be able to stop him because the one hero that and this is one of the other reasons i like rachel ghoul more than i like vandal savage is vandal savage is is an immortal and he's the oldest being on the earth and he like he's he's an interesting character and he's super smart but rachel ghoul is just more interesting to me because rachel ghoul genuinely i think could beat the rest of the justice league um, because he's more vandal savage isn't as patient or at least he never seems that way in any of the Which stories is weird because he's been around for thousands, yeah, thousands he's a of caveman years. and he should be but yeah. he never comes across that way um he's he's not as meticulous whereas rachel Ghoul will like lay the lay the thing and the only one that he really is worried about stopping him is is batman mm -hmm. because batman's really the only person he respects Exactly. Um, which part of me liking that is probably because I'm a Batman fan. Um, <laughs> but I, I also just think Ra's al Ghul is more interesting. Like the League of Assassins is an interesting. Vandal Savage is this super powerful old character who never seems to have anything that you would think. Like he doesn't have a powerful organization as back or anything. Um. Yeah, it's weird. So I, I know he has a bunch of money that he just been able to accumulate over the years but it it seemed like he didn't really have any other power you know what i mean like he, he's, he's like he doesn't really have any influence which you think he, you would being that old or being around since you know pretty much the dawn of, of government and and tribes and everything yeah, I mean, like he, that he ought to be it's, more it's plugged really into things than he is yeah which is part of the way and like rachel ghoul is like he has he he's kind of 
infiltrated a lot of organizations in the world. And so I don't know. I just, as a villain, I don't, I don't, I've never really gotten Vandal Savage as a villain. And I don't, he should be more interesting than he is, which is my problem. He he really should. Um, I think he would be more interesting if you, uh, if you were to do a comic book series about him and have him showing him like throughout time and what he's been doing. Because right now it's just like I've been around forever, yet I seem to keep failing. Because you know, in this comic book world, superheroes are relatively new, so it doesn't make any sense that he hasn't been able to accomplish what he's been wanting to accomplish. Agreed, and I and I think that's part of my problem with Vandal Savage too. As we get into like Doom, is Vandal Savage even in, especially in Doom anyway comes across to me as like a mix of Mongol and lex luthor but he's not as smart as lex and he's not as strong as mongol Mm -hmm. and like in reality vandal savage is in his own right or should be a very formidable villain but he does when you watch doom at least to me like you read tower of babel and you feel like there's a genuine there's a genuine battle for batman to try and undo erase has done and to stop him like Mm -hmm. it's there 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 is an actual struggle race is he's meticulous he's plotted it it's got a he's got a plan he knows what he's doing he's he's laid the groundwork to um you know with the with his tower of babel tearing up language while at the same time getting all these things done with the justice league which vandal savage did as well um with with his plot but it just seems more thought out in the comic and then you watch doom and vandal savage just doesn't seem like that threatening of a villain mm-hmm yeah. And what bugs me is I feel like with Doom, Vano Savage could have just um so in Doom, what Vano Savage tries to do is he he shoots a, a missile at the sun and it leaves like a um a trail. So like there's a, a giant like solar flare that's, that's pretty much gonna head and destroy half of Earth. And then you are gonna have a bunch of issues with half of Earth destroyed. Um but my issue with Doom is like he could have launched it at any any point. Like I, I don't see what mobilizing or immobilizing the Justice League did. Because, you know, in Tower of Babel, you can see Superman like because because it's already happened, you, you see Superman and everyone like flying around trying to like keep the chaos to a minimum. Like they're even mm-hmm. tr- trying to stop uh, um some um environment uh not, not eco-terrorists, but um, they, they still like a canister like of like deadly toxin and was going to release it near the border of a country to start a civil war. And they're like, you, you see all these things that they're that if they weren't around could have led to a lot worse fate. But for Doom, it seemed like especially because they were there in the in the base, like it really seemed like it was no point in taking them out. Now that's, I think that's a perfect way to sum it up is it just seemed, it seemed added because they wanted to have that, they wanted to have that element in the story, but doom is a a fundamentally different storyline than tower of Babel. And it doesn't seem connected. Ra's al Ghul had to take out the justice league and had to keep Batman at bay because he knew that he, they would stop his plot, that he, they could end what he was doing, that they'd figure it out and stop him. Mm -hmm. Vandal Savage there is virtually no reason for the justice league to be a threat to what his plan is. Um, right. He, he probably draws more attention to himself by what he does than 
than that's, anything. That's my issue. That's that's my issue. It's like you could have just did this. Like you didn't need to 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 take out anyone at all. Because like I said, they were all there: Superman, Green Lantern, Martian Manhunter. You know, these are people that can fly in space or at the at the base, and they were still able to, to launch the missile. Um, yeah, and and like I said, I think he kind of draws attention. If anything, it's like he's telegraphing that he's going to do this. Right. Um, whereas whereas Ray Ghul, it, it feels organic to the plot that he needed to do that because otherwise it's going to not work. Mm-hmm. So part of it might be again, I don't like Vandal Savage overall as a, a villain. I never have, but I do think a lot of it is just it's you took. You took a story, excuse me, and this is something that we can talk about. We've talked about with other DC Universe animated films, which while if you watch Doom independent of anything else, just as a movie is really entertaining. Yeah. But if you watch it knowing that it's connected to Tower of Babel in the way that it is, you watch it and say, why did you deviate from the source material? It's not as good. Um, Just like you could do with The Killing Joke, with Hush, with others. Like if you watch them independent of what they were based on, they're good. Yeah. But if you watch them in the context of like, oh, this is based on something I've already done, and then you and you look at it and you're like, well, that well, that was dumb. Yeah. Like, why'd you do that? Why would you change it and then make it worse? <laughs> yeah, because it. I don't know what making it Vandal Savage. I don't know why that decision was made, but I don't know what it was supposed to add. Because yeah. the League of Assassins is an infinitely more interesting group than Vandal is, Savage. And is that? And, and I think doing. they're they're more well known too. Yeah, Vandal Savage is not an extremely well-known villain. No. In fact, I would venture to say that if you're not a major DC Comics fan, that you probably spent a couple minutes Googling who Vandal Savage was when Mike and I mentioned him. Um, because he's not used all that frequently. No, the only other time I can think of him was in the Justice League um, TV series. When they were... Yeah, um, pretty much. When he goes back in time to change World War II. Yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't really ever. And that, again, that's why I don't like Vandal Savage. Is for somebody who's supposed to have been around since the dawn of man, he plays a very minor role in historical events. Mm-hmm. He he he's like an afterthought. It's it's like they created Vandal Savage and like, oh crap, we made him old, didn't we? Um, never mind. Mm-hmm. Like, I just I don't get it. So overall, I would say again, I think Tower Babel is a five star comic. I I am. All, I'm all about Tower of, Tower of Babel. I think it's probably one of the best Justice League story arcs that's done. Um, Doom, I'd say, is a three out of five. What do you think, Mike? Mm, so if you've never read Tower of Babel, I would say Doom is probably like a an eight. I'll, I'll go eight out of ten. So I'll, I'll do four, Just four out of five. Throwing every throwing everything to the wind. Fine, we'll do it out of ten from now on. <laughs> it's a solid five out of seven, in my opinion. <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah, I would I would call it a four out of five. And it's two I, donuts and six stars for me. <laughs> Fantastic, thank you. I would rate it three Dr. Peppers. Um, Which, if you look at the Dr. Pepper to Mountain Dew conversion chart, is is equivalent of twelve point six seven Mountain Dews. Which is of course, e- which is of course equal to forty five cokes. <laughs> Anyways. I call it a four out of five without watching, without having read Tower Bible, and I'll probably give it two and a half, three. 
Yeah, I would go. Th- I would go three if you've seen if you've read Tower of Babel. I if if you haven't read it, I would say it's a three out of five. It's still not or three and a half out of five. It's still not one of my favorite. Like I like it. I enjoy it. I enjoy most of the DCU movies. Uh, it's not one of my favorite ones though, to be honest. I think there are quite a few that are much better. Mm-hmm. Um, and I that's th- the thing. It's like I'm I'm comparing it to the other DC animated movies, mm-hmm. and when you compare it to the other ones, like I love like the Batman and Superman movies. Those are amazing. Um, Flashpoint is good. Um, the issue with the movie Flashpoint is I think all the comics is like 50 or 60 comics. So then you just turn it into a, a movie and it's, it's too condensed. That's exactly what I was going to say. Actually, the, the issue with Flashpoint is that there is way too much you can't do because you would have to have done, you should have done it as a miniseries. Um, because Flashpoint just there's so much that happened in Flashpoint and you're cutting to the very, very, very minimum to make it fit in a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, one of my, my probably one of my favorite. And again, we're going a little off on a tangent here. I'll get back to Tower Bible and Justice League in a minute. But one of my favorite DC animated movies is probably um, Green Lantern First Flight, which mm-hmm. I like for two reasons. One, there's not a whole lot of Green Lantern stuff. Um, and that, and two, it's a really cool plot line. It's got uh, Green Lantern. It's got Green Lantern fighting Sinestro. Uh, it's just it's it's really good. And that actually is what what's funny about First Flight too is if you saw the Green Lantern movie with Ryan Reynolds, which was an abortion on film. Um, and, and look, through no fault of Ryan Reynolds, I actually would love it if he'd come back and do another one that didn't mm-hmm. suck. But that movie, first of all, a CGI suit was a terrible idea. I don't know who who greenlit that. That was a dumb idea. Um, but second of all, the movie started out actually not bad. Aside from the yeah. bad CGI work, the movie starts out good in terms of plot. Um, and it's following the first flight plot line. And then for some reason, instead of just fighting Sinestro and the Sinestro Corps, he ends up fighting parallax as well and they make parallax into some th- something some that he cloud. isn't and it's it just didn't make any sense like they tried to do a lot of things instead of just doing one thing well mm-hmm. um that and they made hal jordan's character literally the antithesis of hal jordan which was a problem that, that was my biggest issue with it too um the reason hal jordan for everybody listening is on reason he loses to parallax ultimately and the reason he uh destroys coast city is because Hal Jordan does not know how to fight fear because he's never been afraid in his life. And yeah, Parallax like, is the, not joking. He has not yeah. been afraid in his life at all. And, and Parallax is the exemplification of fear. And so he does not know how to fight fear, um, which is what makes him weak in fighting Parallax in the comic books, which is a cool plot line. The whole problem with Ryan Reynolds version of Hal Jordan is that multiple times in the movie, he says he's afraid. Hal Jordan doesn't get afraid. No, That's what I makes don't. Hal Jordan, Hal Jordan. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Like, you could have made him anybody else. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Mike. Yeah, and that's and that's one of the other issues in Doom is that they they hit him with fear toxin, like that shouldn't be shouldn't work on him. Yeah, you're right. And I I forgot that in Green Lantern or in in Doom, Green Lantern's the one hit by fear toxin instead of um, Aquaman, mm-hmm. because in in Tower of Babel, Aquaman gets his aquaphobia, gets his fear of water from fear toxin. That works. There's nothing saying that Arthur can't be afraid. Exactly. How Jordan fear toxin wouldn't work against him. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't yeah. make sense. Yeah. I did like the fact that once he was told what was happening, he's like, all right, I get it now. I don't, I don't need the, um, the, 
the antidote. And that, that part is cool, but it shouldn't have worked in the first place. Right. Whereas, and if you did want it to work again, you could have done something similar to what they did in the comics. The comics didn't use Hal Jordan for a very specific reason. There's not a lot that, first of all, they didn't use him because I believe at that time he was dead. Um, in yeah. the comics, he might've been being specter at the time that, comic um, was he should have been, I, I think he should have been specter. They, they loaded to the, so, yeah. the coast city, uh, incident in Tower okay. Babel. That's what I thought. So yeah, he should have been specter by then. So that's part of the reason they didn't use him. But the other part of the reason is it is Kyle Rayner, the way Batman took him out made sense. He made him afraid of something that he would be afraid of losing his sight. And he made it and, and he didn't even have to do anything to him. He just planted the idea in his head and then the ring made him blind. Mm-hmm. Super cool idea. And in tower in, um, doom. in doom, it, it, they chose the wrong green lantern for it. And part of that is because, the DC animated movies try and keep to a continuity of which heroes they have based on what other movies are coming out at the time. Well, how Jordan was a green lantern at the time and that's fine, but then you needed to do something else to, to take out Hal Jordan. And there are other things you can do to take out Hal Jordan. Like, it's not like he's not weak to things, but he's not weak to fear. And Batman would know that. Exactly. And the biggest one, and you already mentioned this is Superman getting shot by a kryptonite bullet was just kind of weak. Um, it's not, it's not all that interesting. Um, the flash, the flash having seizures in the comics versus having a bomb strapped to his wrist and he just has to keep running. The more and more I think about it, the more and more you're right. It's like, it's, it's a lot better in the comic. Mm -hmm. Um, it's also a lot more twisted. (laughs) It is more twisted, especially because like he felt like he was in that for, he, he alluded to days, but it was only like 22 minutes, I think. Mm-hmm. That's what they said in comic. Yeah, because he's having light se- light speed seizures. Relativity. It's, it's so that was cool. I mean, Doom overall not bad, but just again not not great. Um, I'm trying to think. There was one other yeah. point I wanted to make on Tower yeah. of Babel. Yeah, what irritated me about the Flash and Superman in the in the movie is that they're both fast enough to dodge both those attacks. That's what irritates me. Like I, I understand Superman was trying to talk to a talk to a guy, and the guy pulled a gun on him, but that shouldn't work. Yeah, which I agree, and and that's why the comic makes sense because Red Kryptonite just he got exposed to it, and then he he basically it, it, there's nothing you can do not to be exposed to it because it just has to be around him, um, yeah. and then the the bullet that Flash is shot with in the comic is specifically meant made so that he can't phase through it because flash doesn't try and outrun bullets flash phases so that bullets don't hit him Mm -hmm. um so it made sense because it's like oh well he thinks it's a regular bullet he's just not going to run like yes he could have run away from even that bullet and there at no point do they make it seem like he couldn't that's Mm -hmm. just not what he does that's not his attack that's not his tactic he's like oh i'll just i don't need to run away from it it'll i'll phase it'll go through me and i don't care and i'll keep going well, even even in the comic, it, it pointed out that he does it instinctively. Like as soon as you he feels the the bullet hit his skin, he just phases automatically. Like it's it's a it's a reflex, almost yeah. for him now. Yeah, exactly. And 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 so the comic makes it make sense because like oh, Batman knew that he wouldn't try and again there, where in the in the movie the attacks could have been avoided because you're right. Superman and Batman and, and flash are both capable. I mean, I guess in theory, Superman wouldn't have avoided the bullet because most bullets can't hurt Superman. 
but Superman also would have probably recognized it was kryptonite before it hit him and moved, um, which is why it doesn't make sense. And Flash could have easily avoided the bomb getting strapped to his wrist. Mm-hmm. Um, in the comic, they make it something that, okay, he couldn't avoid the red kryptonite being, you know, be, being around him. And the Flash doesn't think he needs to outrun the bullet, so he doesn't try to. Exactly. Um, it, it makes more sense. And it makes Batman, it makes Batman seem more intelligent as well. Yeah. And that's see that so I, I love Flash and Superman. Um they're they're my my favorite superheroes. They kind of go back Fla- and forth. Flash and is my, my one. Flash You're is back up. Yeah. You're back up. Yeah. So um, Batman is obviously my favorite, but where it's for you it's Superman and Flash, mine is Flash and uh, mine is Batman and Flash. Yeah. But the issue I, I have with um Flash and Superman is when the writing's bad, it just makes them seem stupid. Like for 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 Batman, if you do poor writing, um, it, it when I see poor writing for Batman, I see him like being super human when he shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. Which actually, which actually is a big. We could talk about that a different day, but that's a big issue in Batman comics. But yeah, right. But with the Flash or Superman is like Superman's like getting taken out by things that shouldn't take him out. Or, or they fluctuate his power level so much that from issue to issue doesn't make any sense. So that, that's it. Yeah, that stuff irritates me. Like no, I mean that's that's part of the reason I don't like to read Superman because I actually don't. I'm not an anti-Superman. There are a lot of Batman fans that are anti-Superman people, um, and and I'm not one. I actually think Superman is a fantastic hero, and I think when written well, Superman is one of the funnest characters to read. Some of my favorite comics are Batman Superman comics. Um, yeah, when those are my favorites. Up, like, like those are some of my favorites and the Trinity comics as well. But some of those are my favorites because when written well, like public enemies and things like that, when, when they're working together, it shows a really cool camaraderie that only those two characters have. Mm-hmm. It shows an almost brotherly bond and like there are cool elements to it. And Superman's a cool character. But the problem is it's really hard for me to find Superman stories that are written well enough where Superman doesn't come off as, overpowered or underpowered and i don't i don't want to i don't want to see him underpowered because it's not superman i know what superman's abilities are i am a big enough nerd to know whether or not superman should be able to win a fight um and i don't want to see him overpowered because it's just kind of boring to read i have the same problem with batman comics though like one of my biggest problems with the the rebirth stuff um the very first maybe it's not the first issue maybe it's like the second issue of batman and rebirth um but he like basically surfs on a plane to bring it down in Gotham and like, uh, cool I think concept. that was the second one. Yeah. I, 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 one. I, I couldn't remember, but it's cool in concept, but it's absolutely ridiculous. Like that's not Batman is best when he's limited. When yeah, he's, he's, Cause he's surfing on the plane. He's also like changing the, um, not the rudder. Um, he's using the, he's using the flaps. He's got his grappling yeah, hook in the flaps and he's like using the flaps to steer. The, it's stupid. It's just yeah. stupid. And like, I love Batman, but I also, I like Batman when he's limited, when he can yeah, lose. Exactly, Batman is best when he has to think. Yeah. It's like Batman, you're awesome. But at the end of the day, you're like six, six and two fifty. I don't see you um, moving two flaps or surfing on a plane that's going like 500 miles per hour. No, it's, it's like Batman is best when, when he knows that he might die doing something, but he does it anyway. Mm-hmm. Like when he goes and tries to fight dark side, um, like in final crisis, he's like, I'm going to do this because I'm willing to die to save the world. Not exactly. I'm going to do this because I'm going to find a way to win. Like he knows he'll die. He doesn't care. Like that's when Batman's best. 
Um, and that's, and, and I agree with you. The same thing is said for flash because flash is probably in many ways, the second strongest hero in the universe. Um, there are, you could make an argument for the green lantern in there as well, who I also, I really like the green lantern, but I only really like Hal Jordan. Um, like I like John Stewart as a character, but I don't think his comics are any good. Um, um I like the green lantern corpse core. I don't, I don't, I can't remember any specific, I don't haven't read like any, just John's John Stewart. Fair enough. And like, and Kyle Rayner, I don't really like, I hate guy Gardner. Um, but I think yeah. everybody does. I think that's kind of the point. Um, right. So like, I guess again, I like guy when he's around all the other lanterns. Oh yeah. And it's, it's funny. not just about him. Yeah. Then it's funny. Yeah, but, but other, all the times it's like, shut up. But, but anyway, I mean like, I think you could make the argument, you could make an argument that green lantern is especially the Hal Jordan version of green lantern. Who's, indisputably the strongest green lantern. If anybody wants to argue with me on that, I will happily argue because you're wrong. Um, Hal Jordan is the strongest green lantern. That's why he basically brings an entire city. Not basically he does brings an entire city back based sheerly on the purely on the sheer force of his will. Um, But I think argue, I mean like it'd be easy for me to make the argument though. If I had to say who's the second most powerful hero, it should be the flash. Because first of all, he's the only hero who can, who can time travel, which that gives Easily. you a lot of lee- that gives you a lot of leeway. Yeah. But second of all, I mean he he has the ability to he he thinks at light speed as much as moves at light speed. He's highly intelligent and just think like you don't have to be that strong when you can move that fast. It's momentum. And, and that's the thing. It's like thing. he he has like an infinite mass punch. Where he just gets up to near light speed and just hits you. Yeah. I mean, in reality, he'd turn anybody into the only person who could take that punch might be Superman in actuality and Darkseid. In reality, if if Flash went full on out, he might be able to kill Superman. Mm-hmm. Because, like physically. Yeah, in, in a physical fight. Because because in, in reality, the infinite, infinite mass punch should destroy anybody. Exactly. It should destroy any and everything that it hits. Not to mention the speed force is essentially the life essence of the universe. Yeah, um, and he's directly tapped into it. Well, he's he's gener- uh, Barry, the Barry West, uh, not Barry West, Barry Wild Allen. West. Uh, uh, no, I think Barry Allen is like the creator of the Speed Force. There's something weird like that. Uh, I think yeah, I think they might have gone back and made. Oh, they changed way. it. He wasn't original. No, I mean I think you're. Oh, okay. Barry Allen wasn't originally the creator of the Speed Force, but I think you're right. I think he is now. Yeah, and I think he like created himself as well. I think the lightning that hit him was like him or, or something like that. I don't remember that. I'll have to, that I will take your word for it. I don't remember. Yeah. But the the lightning, the lightning hitting um, Barry Allen and Wally West was like directed. It wasn't just random chance. See that I, that I didn't know. I'd have to go look at that, but yeah, I think like the flash when he's poorly written is really boring because there's not a lot that you should be able to do to fight the flash. No. Which is part of the reason the Flash TV show started to get dumb because, like, they change how fast he is on a regular basis. Like, sometimes he's barely fast enough to catch a to to like catch a train, and other times he can run Mach three. And so he should be able to. First of all, he should be much faster than that. Yeah. And second of all, he should be consistently slow. fast. His speed does not come from stamina, and so no. he should be consistently fast. Mm-hmm. It's it's essentially will how much he can how or and how much he understands the control of the speed force. And that's why Wally West, they, they kind of go back and forth, but I think they've made it consistently now that Wally West is the, is the fastest Flash. Wally West is the fastest Flash. They have confirmed that a few times. Yeah. 
Yeah, because yeah, Wally, they have. Wally West has a deeper relationship with the Speed Force too. Right. Well, because he like he started when he was younger, so it was just more natural well, and he, to him. And he, well, and he can even he can even like basically feel others in the Speed Force in a way Barry can't. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, exactly. It's just because he grew up with it. It's like mm-hmm. a it's like an uh, an arm to him, whereas yeah, I, Barry Allen uses it as a tool, and Wally West uses it like he's using his arm. Yeah. So. The what was the last thing I was going to say was um, the one this is again, we've diverged a little bit, but comic book talk gets this way. Mm-hmm. The one problem I've always had with green, I like Green Lantern a lot. This I'm I think I'm in the minority because I don't think there are a lot of people that really like Green Lantern for whatever reason. Um, yeah, I think so. But, but I like the Green Lantern. The one problem I've always had with Green Lantern and and they they address this in metal um, in the dark multiverse is in actuality. It never made sense why Hal Jordan was chosen for the ring if it's based on will um, because the actual best bearer of the ring would be Bruce Wayne. Mm-hmm. And that's not just me as a Batman fan. That's just me in general. Like there is no more willful individual in the universe than, than Bruce Wayne. Yeah. Well, like the rings actually flown to him a few times in the comics and I can't remember like the reason, but it's something about like he has so much fear as well inside of him. I, I think they did they did they did answer that in um it might have been in actually Blackest Night I'd have to re- go back and read it and remember that they actually addressed that yeah he has he has too much fear which is why in um the Dark Multiverse in in Metal the Bruce Wayne that gets the ring the Dawn uh, Dawnbreaker um he essentially breaks the ring because his fear overtakes the ring yeah um and that is, and that and see and that's a logical reason why like it chooses Hal and not Bruce. Because Bruce is constantly afraid. The difference is he uses his fuel, his fear as fuel. Um, yeah, but he well, is more willful. Yeah. Well, it's also I think because um, when they when they made Green Lantern, they really didn't have like the ring flying around looking for people. It was more like, oh, well, you picked it up, so it's yours now. Yeah, I mean, part of it is just is just change in comic book history. Yeah. Um, but like with with Jessica Cruz and Kyle Rayner and Guy Gardner, like Bruce Wayne would have gotten the ring over one of them at least. Mm-hmm. Like at some point by now, Bruce Wayne would have the ring. Yeah. And well, I like, that's why I like Jessica Cruz because she has like a, um, a lot of fear, but she's like getting over it. Like, so she, Jessica Cruz is probably one of the most interesting green lanterns. Yeah. Um, like she's, she's able, she's able to, yeah. Cause I think they've like kind of changed the, what they, um, use the, the criteria to, to select green liners now about it changed the, the ability to overcome fear. I think so because the, and also because the guardian, because the guardians of Oa recognized that that was the weakness of the ring. Cause they didn't know that at first either. Yeah. Cause that was the, that was the weakness of the green um, power, but we've gotten way off track. Uh, again, Five out of five for Tower of Babel for me. Three out of five for Justice League Doom. Oh, the other cool thing is in both of them at the end, Batman leaves the Justice League because mm-hmm. the Justice League says they can't trust him because he has those plans, even though in reality um, anyone who doesn't have those plans would be stupid because when you work with a group of gods, you should always be ready for one of them to turn bad. Um, but in both of them, he leaves, which is cool. And it sets up... Uh, in Justice League Doom, it sets up some of the other movies that came out after the fact where he is not in the Justice League. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, overall, um, I think both of them are, are – one's a great story, one's a, a decent story, or good, depending on when you check it out. Um, 
But yeah, I got a steak to cook. So and I got a baby to take care of. <laughs> All right. So um this is uh Mike and Jeff fighting leftists, and we'll talk to you guys next week. Thanks for listening.